Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I'm just going to read three verses. We're going to talk about salvation. What it is, what it means. We're going to use three verses from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Our Father, we thank you for the testimony that we have witnessed this morning in these two young men who have stood in our midst to be introduced as new Christians in our family, in the family of God. And for those who stood with a declaration of their faith in you in this short period of time. We pray, Father, that you be upon us this morning in a mighty way. May the power of your Spirit convict hearts and souls today. Those of us who are Christian, our Father, may we renew our fellowship with you. We praise your name. We glorify you in every way that we know how. Now, our Father, bless this service to your glory. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to say four things about salvation this morning. First of all, I want us to define what it really is. Then I want to talk a little bit about what the method of salvation is, how one becomes saved. Then I want to talk about what the purpose of salvation is. Why are you saved? And lastly, I want to talk about what is the role that we have to play in the salvation of others. I think we realize, if we don't, we need to, that salvation is not something that man does at all. Salvation is something that God does. It is the work of God to save. All man can do is yield to it, is to say yes to what God wants to do. Man really can do nothing. God is doing it all. You were saved because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. It was the Lord God who allowed his son to come to this world and die on the cross. The origin then of salvation is in God himself and was manifested or was revealed, was made plain in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. The third verse that we read, verse 10, says that we are his workmanship. Now, when you take that word workmanship and go to the Greek, you find the Greek word is poinia. It is the word from which we get the word poem, which then carries the indication of craftsmanship 
or skill or artisanship. And therefore we can say that we are the poem of God. We are his creation, his craftsmanship. It was his skill that made us what we are. Back in the Garden of Eden when God took some clay and made a man and formed him there out of the dust. But he didn't just make a physical being. The scripture says that he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. And so there is more to man than there is to animal. Animal is physical, but man is both physical and spiritual. Man has a soul, and that soul belongs to God. But he gives unto us the right to retain that soul for ourselves or to allow him to have it. That is your privilege to say no to God, I want nothing to do with being a part of you, or to say yes to God and allow him to have possession. You are his workmanship not only in the physical, but you work his workmanship in the spiritual. For man is certainly a spiritual being. Salvation then is the achievement of God, something that God did. John chapter 3 verse 16 that we all know so well says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Can you find anybody who loves you enough to allow their son to die for you? Would you give up your child for the life of somebody else? I think most of us would say no. We can't do that. For the life of our own child is too precious. But God gave up the life of his only child because he loved me and because he loved you. Salvation is something that is internal. It's not external. We look the same. Although we ought to have a different uh, appearance about us, there ought to be a radiant appearance to us that says something has taken place, something has changed. It ought to be possible for the people who see us on the street and know us ought to be able to say to us, what has happened? What's different about you? What has changed? And you ought to be able to say, fellows, and you others who are young in the Christian faith, and I hope the rest of you who are older, the thing that has taken place is that my heart has been given to Jesus. I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm on my way to heaven. It was something that took place inside, and it is revealed outside. But the real change is a new heart, a new soul, an assurance that we don't have. What did you do? You kicked out Satan and gave that place to Jesus Christ. Salvation, I think we all also to say, is continuous. Now there is a sense in which one is saved and he is, he is saved, that's it. You once were lost and now you're saved. In an instantaneous moment, the Lord God gave you eternal life just upon your saying and my saying yes to him. But there is a sense when, in which salvation continues. It goes on and on. That is, he is in the continual process of making us, of doing something with us, of molding us, of creating us after his image. 
We are not perfect. And we will not be perfect until we enter into heaven itself. But therefore, the Lord is continually molding and changing us in order that we might be in accordance with his will. Ephesians 1.6 says, He which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He that began a good work. Several of you stood up and said that that good work was begun within the last five years. He who began that good work in you will continue to work in you until Jesus comes. Ephesians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Well, fourthly, salvation is is not going to be complete in this world as we have already indicated. Salvation will be complete when we have entered into the kingdom of God in a literal sense. Philippians 2.12 says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That has always caused a lot of people trouble. What do you mean work out my salvation? And a lot of people have interpreted that to mean, well, I can be saved today and lost tomorrow. Listen, that's not what it teaches, and there's no place in the scripture that teaches that. If you're saved today, you're saved forever. It means work at. It means be involved in. It means continue to be active in your state of salvation so that you become more like the master day by day. All right, secondly, let me say uh, something about the divine method of salvation. How does one become saved? This is a problem that people don't understand. I want to read four verses of Scripture about how one becomes saved. Acts 4.12 is the first one. Acts 4.12 says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. A lot of people try to be saved in some other way. A lot of people try to be saved by becoming good. Some try to be saved by quitting bad habits. Some try to be saved by joining the church. Some try to be saved by being baptized. Those things don't save. The only thing that saves is Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at another verse. Chapter 14 of John, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How do you get to God? By Jesus Christ, that's all. You don't get there by the preacher, nor by the Sunday school teacher, nor by the church, nor by any person in this world. You come unto the Father God through His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the way and the only way. Acts 10.43 then says this, Through His name, Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. Listen to those words. Through his name. Whose name? The name of Jesus Christ. Through the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to the second phrase. Whoever believes. That's all. That's all he asks is for belief. Whoever believes. And then what does it say? Shall receive remission. 
remission, let's put another word in there, shall receive forgiveness of sin. Do you want God to forgive your sin? Just believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for your sin and accept Him as your Savior and you will have forgiveness of sin. You two guys, in a moment's time the other night, became sinless for a little bit. For every sin in your life had been forgiven. Every sin had been forgiven. From that point on, then we began to sin again. We all had a moment in which we had had every sin forgiven. Now then, we can have our sins forgiven continually by simply praying and asking God to forgive us. Forgive our sins. Through the name of Jesus, he that believes on him will have forgiveness of sins. And then the last verse, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift, you didn't buy it. You didn't earn it. It was given to you. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Point number three. What's the purpose of salvation? Why be saved? I want to say three things, three reasons to be saved. The first reason, and the one we usually think of, is it means that I don't have to go to hell. That's right. Listen, a person who is not saved goes to hell. There is no other choice. John 3.16 again, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not, or shall, I think the word is shall not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, that's a good reason. And I think more people go to heaven because they don't want to go to hell than any other reason there is, but that's the only, not the only reason for being saved. Let me tell you another reason for being saved. And it's a reason that God has for wanting to save you. God wants to save people for many reasons, but let me suggest this one. In order that he might be able to say, I loved that person enough to give my full grace to him. Ephesians 2.7 says that in the ages to come, he, meaning God, might show the exceeding riches of his grace toward us through Jesus Christ. God wants to show off his people. All of you grandmothers and grandfathers have your, your purses and wallets full of your pictures of your grandchildren, and it doesn't take but a moment's notice that you can pull them out and really begin to show them off. God wants to show off his people, his children. And he wants to say through eternity, they're mine, they're mine, I saved them, I gave my son for them, they got my grace, I loved them enough. He wants to show us off. Like he did Job to Satan, when Satan said he'd been down here on earth going back and forth, and God said, did you observe my servant Job? And he bragged on him. That's what he wants to do with you and me. Thirdly, we are saved in order that we might do something for God. Now here's our part in the salvation process. 
Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now listen to it. Why are we saved? To do something for God. We do it in the lives of other people. But in the lives of other people, then we are seen for what we are. And God gets the glory. Not us. A lot of people make a mistake in thinking that I'm doing something in order that people might see how great I am. I preach that people might see how great a preacher I am. I teach to see how, so people can see how great a teacher. Oh, no, 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 no. None of those things. You don't sing to see how great a singer you are and have everybody pat you on the back. It's nice to have those nice things said, but listen, we are to do whatever we do in order that God get the glory. That's why we're saved, to give God the glory. Jesus prayed in the model prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth. Who's going to do his will on earth? The angels? No, no, no. His children, you and me, are here to do his will. The question is, are we doing his will? Let me read one other verse along this line. In Titus 2.7, In all things showing thyself, a pattern of good works. That usually doesn't make much sense in first reading. Showing thyself a pattern of good works. Christian people, we are saved to establish a pattern of doing good things. We're not to be hit and miss. There are lots of people who are hit and miss Christians. They are good today and bad tomorrow. In church today and forget it next week. Back and forth, back and forth, good and bad, hot and cold. The Lord is not satisfied with that kind of a Christian life. He wants us to establish a pattern of good works. In other words, known for what we do. We are known for always being faithful in church. We're known for being a good neighbor, for sharing with our goods, for praying and for Bible reading. We're known for our faithfulness to God. We're saved to produce something for God. Then fourthly, we want to talk about the program of salvation. The purpose of being saved. The latter portion of verse 10 says that God has ordained that we should walk in them. What does he mean? There's a little chorus or song that we sometimes sing. Good room, good room in my Father's kingdom. Good room, plenty good room. Just choose your seat and sit down. Don't you believe that? The Lord has never invited us to be saved to sit down. The Lord has invited us to be saved to work for Him. To do something for Him. Now, God does not also save a person in order that he might return to sin. I have known people who have taken the attitude, well, I'll get saved 
And then that settles that issue, and then I can go out and really enjoy myself. I'll do all the things that I always wanted to do, and I won't have to worry about ever going to hell because I'm saved, and I can really enjoy things. You've got things a little mixed up. Listen, a Christian does not want to participate in the things of the world because he wants God to get glory out of what he does. He has saved you and he has saved me in order that we might be a part of a program that he has established and that program is saving the world. That's what the program is. Now that you're saved, what do you do about it? Choose your seat and sit down somewhere? No, indeed. Now then that we're saved, our job is to see to it that others get the same blessing that we got. See to it that they're saved like we were. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and who's going to glorify? They're going to glorify your Father which is in heaven. Every Christian is expected to be a part of the program to save the world. The light has been lit. It's our job to let it shine. The Lord Jesus struck the match. And now we're on fire. And he said, don't put it under a bushel. But put it on a candlestick. All who are in the house can see that you're a Christian. The light is shining. Be not ashamed of your faith or of the God you serve or the church where you worship. But always proclaim it. And above all, Profess Jesus Christ every opportunity you have. Don't be obnoxious about it and do it in a, a tacky way. But let the world know that your light shines. You're there to tell the story. Shouting, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Jesus ransomed to me. What is salvation? It's what God does in taking us out of death and giving us life. We're saved only because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved for the purpose of giving God the glory through our lives. And we're saved in order that we might see others saved. That's what we're all about. I'm going to ask you this morning if you're saved. Are you on your way to heaven or hell? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior or not? I can't answer that. Only you can answer. If you believe that there's a God in heaven, I encourage you to believe that he had a son who came to this world and died on a cross just in order to save you. To save you. That's all that's important this morning is you. Just you. Are you saved? If not, the Lord Jesus died on the cross that you might be. When we give the invitation, what you ought to do is get out of that seat. People will move away and come down the aisle, the outside aisles, the center aisle, come down here. By your coming, say to this congregation, but most importantly, say to God above, I am accepting what you did for me. I believe 
I'm repenting of my sins and I ask you to save my soul. And may God get the glory out of what you do this morning. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.